Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Chewing the Gristle, a podcast of doom and destruction. I'm your host, Greg Cock, Gregory Cockery, or the Gristle Man, if you will. We're going to have extemporaneous conversations with a variety of very powerful musical friends. We're going to converse about life, liberty, and the pursuit of musical savagery. Is that wrong? I don't think so. So tune in. Brought to you by our friends at Wildwood Guitars of beautiful Louisville, Colorado. Fishman Transducers of the majestic and powerful community known as Andover, Massachusetts. Can you dig it? Doggone it, folks. If you asked anybody these days who's watching what's going on in blues rock guitar, undoubtedly they will mention Eric Gales. Just got done doing a record with the mighty Joe Bonamassa. Eric Gales is a force of nature on the guitar and as a performer, and what a cool cat. Let's stay tuned and take a listen to our mighty interview with the majestic Eric Gales. I like it. And then Eric, whenever you whenever you got a bolt, just let us know and we'll 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 do some kind of a closing. All right, cool. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to chew that doggone gristle again. Gregory Cockery here with uh, a very special guest. All the guests are special, doggone it. But my buddy Eric Gales is a guitar-playing phenom who I just enjoy hanging out with. I love watching him play. I love engaging in musical activities with him when I can. And uh, so pleased that you're joining with us today. What's going on, Eric? How, what, how the heck are you? Man, you know what, man? You know, I could complain, but it ain't going to do nothing about it. And uh, <laughs> life is going as it's going. Uh, uh, you know, like myself, a lot of us are, you know, hanging in there the best way we can. And, uh, you know, we all await the great day that, uh, you know, the stranglehold is lifted and we can get back to doing what we love to do and feeling the energy of a live audience and, right. you know, sharing great energy again. But, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, very excited. This record that Joe's producing is 90% done. We Excellent. got uh, like two or three days of some tidying up we got to do. And I have to say that this is the most iconic, epic record of my life. And Excellent. it's not all about, it, it, it's more about, things that I have to say and things that need to be said and, 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 uh, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the plan I'm, 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 I'm plucking, don't get me wrong. You know, right. I think out of 18 records, I've kind of, I believe that I've come kind of established that I might can play just, just a little bit, like just right. a little bit, not much. I not think much. that's been established. <laughs> and uh you know now man these songs man they're bell ringers man and uh you know the messages and everything and of course the tones and all that stuff man you know we all cried every day in the recording session and you know that just goes to show the magnitude of how deep and the extent of how heartfelt everybody's energy was in this involved in this record and uh I just got to tell you, I'm still floating off of that. And, uh, man, it's it's insane. 
Yeah, I, I was watching from uh, watching from afar and everyone's um, social media uh, kind of photo, your stuff, and then Joe would post up, and then Josh Smith would post up, and man, it looked like it was uh, you guys were working some um, some uh, magic down there, as the case may be. It looked like it was really something. Well, it was magic that I borrowed from you. So, you know, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I want to say and go on record, and I want I want to be quoted for saying this, that Greg Koch is one of the most insane, scary, intense, soulful, chicken-picking, bluesing, king-layer, dominion-holding, uh, door-pass, what? Password getting, you know, you only allowed in by the great password of the king's loud himself. Uh, <laughs> baddest ass dudes that I ever heard in my entire life. Entire oh life. man, I, I don't hey, even know man. what to say because I I watch hey, you man. play and it's just it's just ridiculous. Your hey, playing is your musicality is ridiculous. Hey, I remember. Man. I mean, I I've been watching you over the years. I mean, I remember the first time you were in the Fender Frontline magazine when you were young with your brother and and you were doing the Gales Brothers thing. Yeah. And and then when I'd be riding in Klaus's van over in Europe and I'd hear your latest release. Klaus, I, Klaus yeah. I know Klaus. Yeah, yes, Klausy Klaus. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but I guess the first time I ever saw you play in person was when we did that thing at the uh, the lighthouse out there in Formosa Beach for the uh, exotic yeah. metal folks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the thing that blew me, I mean, obviously your lead playing is phenomenal and intense and emotional, and you build things up to a you know, always a frothing crescendo that's glorious, but the chordal playing is is otherworldly, and it, and and the voicings you come up with, especially because you're playing upside down. So even though that shouldn't change it, because it's still standard tuning, but something right. about the the voicings that light up, man, it is just uh, a glorious thing. I use the word glorious every now wow. and again. That's a great. That's a, that's a great word, and I would say. Uh, uh, befitting, uh, you know, uh, it was as an adjective or adverb. One to tell them it's something. Yeah, uh, it's one of those. <laughs> to, 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 constitute, to constitute um, your explanation there. And I will give you one of my keys to the secret of uh, this whole chordal thing. So, my upbringing from coming up in the church and gospel was directly involved with being mere feet away from several piano and organ players. Uh -huh. So the way that they approach chords and passing chords and inversions and all that, that stuck with me since four or five years old. So it just began to get integrated in, you know, how I like to, you know, and, and then I started finding chords that were like, yo, this chord is fat as hell right here. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And, you know, I may have some advantages also and some disadvantages, if you will. Uh, Though it'd be hard-pressed for me to find a disadvantage because if there's a chord that I want to play that's played by a right-handed player, I'm going to figure it out my right. way. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I may have some advantages as of upside down and backwards of some chords that I may can do that it might be a little difficult or a trial some for a right-handed player to do. But I grew up in the, uh, the, the headset that, you know, let's just start this as a premise. 90 95 to 96% of the people that I'm highly influenced by are right-handed guitar players. So when I was listening to them, it never dawned on me until later on in life that they were playing a way that's different than what I do. Right. So 
I just knew that the drive and the inspiration to learn what I wanted to learn overseeded or over overcame any sort of deficit that I might have could have put myself in prematurely just because I am intimidated or I may be, you know, kind of afraid of trying to, you know, I can't do that. Uh, it's not the way that I'm playing. I'm glad that I grew up in the way not knowing that this was the way that they were playing. And, you know, the drive for me wanting to figure it out led to me, you know, cap capturing on, you know, the, the ways and the do's and don'ts of right-handed players as well as left-handed upside-down players and as well as actual left-handed players. You know what I mean? Right. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the whole gospel approach to to playing, you know, voice leading and all that kind of stuff. It is, it's one of my favorite things of all. I mean, I just every time I hear it, I just I just melt. And and I think you know, uh, we have a mutual friend. You know, Sean Hinton plays with Mary J. Blige and stuff. And I have to see the face. I have to see the face. He, he's from town, and I've known him for years. And and um, and I went and saw him play. Uh, at his church and one time he couldn't make it and he said why don't you just go and, and rehearse with the band and i sat right. in and there, and there and there wasn't any um there wasn't charts. any charts you know <laughs> and i'm and, and these chord voicings are going by and i'm like wait a minute these these chord voicings and these and these turnarounds it took uh -huh. me a while to adjust and the more I, I i i kind of immersed myself a little bit after the fact and going online and checking out different people and so on and so forth it's like there's a whole set of kind of um, uh, not cliches, but you know moves. Just like in jazz, there's like typical moves. two fives and so on Absolutely. and so forth. Yes. But in gospel, there's these whole set of moves that are interchangeable and they're yes. just so man. cool and fresh sounding. And man, uh, it's no joke, man. It's no joke, no joke. And you take that and fuse that in with what you already got going on. You got a pot of gumbo. That everybody want a bowl of. Right. <laughs> Eat it up. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's fa it's fantastic, and that's what gets me. It's like when we. Uh, I always mention, you know, I do, I'll do a version of Little Wing, and I'll throw in those chord voicings that you. And I always uh -huh. say where I got them from. People are like, oh, those yeah. chord voicings. I'm like, that wasn't me, you know. <laughs> and, and, but but that's kind of indicative of of that style of playing, right? I mean, that's that's that it gospel is. way of approaching it things. It is, man. It is. I mean, gospel is definitely one of the key ingredients in that bowl of gumbo. But also, you have you know the whole classical and symphonic and you know jazz and right country western you know that's all in that bowl of gumbo too so you know having the upbringing for my brothers that turned me on to all these cats way before my time along with listening to the people of my generation at that time so my oldest brother eugene is 18 years older than me oh, so okay. i had the best you know schooling when it comes to being turned on to a whole lot of different things and, you know, morphing that into making it me, you know, after, you know, and I'm still, you know, cultivating and, you know, uh, uh, molding and, you know, swinging and banging new stuff, you know what I mean? And, and, and right. it's combinations from, you know, at core, I'm, I'm a gospel blues rooted dude. That's basically in predominant, predominantly everything that I do. But then, you know, I take it with a, different approach sometimes that you know 
fuses it fuses it in with you know your Robin Trower, your Frank Marino, you know you add right. all you know and your Greg Koch, you know what I mean? You add all that in there, and you know you might be on the Danny Gatton, Jerry right. Donahue, Jerry Reed, you know Roy Clark, uh, Chuck Andres, Ted Green. Uh, West Montgomery, you know, I'm naming some sure. real killers. I'm talking about some marksmen, like some right. real shooters right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Hey, man. Hey, so that's that's how you make up me. And, you know, that's my secret is that, you know, it's a whole bunch of listening to a whole bunch of folk. And uh, well, what's interesting is, is that with the gospel thing, wouldn't you say that it, it I mean, the, the harmonies are com- are complex to the point where uh, they add the ability to, to handle playing over like regular jazz standards, but your ears develop where you hear those changes, but yet you handle them in a much more, uh, in a fresh way. It's not kind of just the stock, you know, bebop lick. So those, some of right. that's in there, that's all cool, right. but there just seems to be a, it's a fresher approach to handling the changes. Wouldn't you say, that? I mean, you're, you're comfortable agree. handling changes and um, uh, did you grow up playing some of the standards as well? Or there's just a few over the years that you can hear them and just go, oh yeah, that's that change from that. And I can do this with it. You know what I mean? Basically the latter of what you said, you know, I'll hear something and I'm like, okay, man, that's, that's a direct, uh, inversion or, you know, connection to something that I remember, you know, from gospel, you know what I mean? And right. in a way they all tie in, you can find a way to tie it all in through any style you can right. tie it. You know, except for your, you know, most avant-garde, uh, right. you know, uh, you know, eclectic, you know, genre of uh, Bulgarian wedding music or something. You know what I mean? You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can pretty much connect the dots some kind of way. Right. Well, let me ask yeah. you about the. Um... You know, I've seen you play a couple times, and we've hung out a little bit at the at the, at the Hendrix Experience Hendrix shows, and I've always enjoyed the way that um, you handle the Hendrix thing because there's a there's a tendency, obviously, for a lot of people to try to do it, uh, you know, just like Jimmy. But then, what I like what you do is that it's reverential to what Jimmy did, but you do your own thing with it, and you add everything that we just talked about to that to that soup. But let's talk a little bit about you know, um, what Hendrix meant to you and, and what's it like to be a part of that whole legacy as in terms of being on the experience Hendrix thing and so on. Essentially what Hendrix means to me is he is the top at the top of Mount Rushmore. And if you get to top the top of Mount Rushmore and look at the top of that Mount Rushmore, you'll find people that's ahead of him, such as Albert King, Muddy Water, John Lee Hooker, Bobby right. Womack, Curtis Mayfield, Buddy right. Guy, right? So right. you have generations that only know who Jimi Hendrix is. You right. have generations that only know who Eric Gales is. But right. sure. the evolution is to take from and continue. So uh, having Hendrix as someone that I have been passed down to to be inspired and influenced by is one of the highest uh uh, uh, legacies that could be passed on. Uh, but the one thing that I gained more from Hendrix than I have done from getting from him personally is how he was able to influence so many people. So honestly, I'm more influenced by people that are influenced by Jimi Hendrix. 
sure. more so than I'm influenced by Hendrix himself. So you can't get around the whole big pie. Hendrix is in there. You can't get around that pie. You can't be influenced by Hendrix and not be influenced by Albert King and right, not exactly. be influenced by Muddy Waters because he is there. So right. you take that and, you know, my uh, involvement with the Hendrix uh, Foundation in the years that I were doing it, you know, we had a great, wonderful time, man. And uh, it was at a point that I needed them, you know, like sure. that was the biggest crowds that I was playing for, you know, when my friends and everything could go out and tour like that on their own name. But, you know, I had some years that I, you know, took a dive there and uh, it took a toll on my career and uh, all that's behind me. And the years of trying to prove myself to anybody is far gone now. So, right. you know, I saw you celebrated a number of, uh, uh, a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, uh, being clean and uh, you know man that's the if it weren't for the step that we took to help get ourselves together there would be no us right that's now exact, that's, that's a fact yep. so you know once I you know begin to recognize myself and know my work not saying that I wasn't getting paid my work but like personally know my work uh, then that's when things start to shift for me and uh, it's a beautiful thing sometimes I tend to get emotional talking about it because after I finally said, you know what, let me try something else. And uh, and it worked. And, you know, I never would have thought that I'm almost four and a half years clean and I would be, you know, sitting here having a conversation about it because I knew I was going to die as high as I possibly could. And I, you know, and when I turned 27 years old, I shitted bullets for the whole entire year because everybody that I know that has inspired me that I have a connection to died at 27 years old. Right. And, you know, once I made it out of that, you know, there were uh, quite a few more years that I was deep into getting high research that right. I am uh, very uh, uh, blessed and fortunate to have not died in the process. So with that being said, uh, the, the Hendrix stuff, you know, my brother always taught me, you know, I went through phases of wanting to sound just like Eric Johnson, just like Stevie Ray, just like Robin Trower, just like Jeff Healy. All these different cats. Uh, uh, and my brother said, Hendrix was one. And he said, bro, I don't mind. It, it's very inspiring to see you wanting to mimic these people that I'm turning you on to. Note for note. Uh, 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 movements. If they broke a string, I tried to break one just like. <laughs> so that was how into it that I was. But sure. my brother said something to me at a young age that stuck with me. Why would a person go buy an imitation of somebody when they can go a few rows down in the record store and buy the real thing. That's right. never sure. left my, that's never left me. So he was telling me that to tell me, you know what, take all of them people you're inspired by, but put you on top of it. You right. know what I mean? Put exactly. that's, that's the true evolution. You know, you have to now make a signature that people know immediately that who you are when you play, you know, not know that you're somebody playing somebody else. So, and it could take time. It takes time to cultivate into having a recognizable vibrato or a recognizable bend or a recognizable sure. chord where, you know, that's the legacy that when somebody say, man, that's Eric Gales right there without even seeing or right. looking at, you know, half a note. And you know that that's Eric Gales. You know what yes. I mean? For yeah, years I worked on that. I worked on that for years and it just came. I didn't strive for it. It just came. So with that being said, doing songs that I was doing in the Hendrix tour, on the Hendrix tour, it was my insistence 
that, you know what, man, I got a different way that I want to do this stuff. You know, you got most of everybody on there that were sticking to doing the songs verbatim. And right. there's nothing wrong with that. You want right. to give people the remnants of what he did. But I think the true inspiration is doing his stuff your way. Right. A- absolutely. Because, I mean, he never played the same, the same thing twice. It was always very improvisational uh, uh, from arrangements to uh, you know the whole thing i i the whole thing. remember there was a guy locally years ago and and i didn't mean i wasn't trash talking but it was a it was a band that would do like hendrix and cream and like trower and like zz top and he would do the stuff note for note and people loved it and i'd go yeah that's cool and all but you know the spirit of all of that music is to improvise none of those guys ever did the same thing twice. and i didn't mean it as an insult i just meant it as well the whole theory of that stuff is to never never play it the same and yeah i i i'm a I'm a big fan of you know i love doing hendrix songs every now and again and i do them enough to nod towards big jim but again you got you got to be you <laughs> you got to be you man you got to be you i mean you know especially when you have settled into a seat that you have begun to find you and stuff that you are doing right. you have to continue to be you even in the midst of doing somebody else you know what i mean yeah. or, or giving homage to somebody else that's just my take and you know it's not the, it's not law uh but you know, that just seemed to have been a more impressionable thing that I have noticed in the comments and reviews of people that had saw my performance at those shows. They were, you know, saying that they were the most impressed by oh, absolutely. how I chose to give my yeah. interpretation, you know. I would, I would agree. For May This Be Love, doing it with Eric Johnson, we would both cry every night because it was so intense. And it was like, there was the, I never seen two men gaze in each other's eyes and cry like that, you know. But if it was another man that I was gazing into their eyes and crying, there would be no better choice than Eric Johnson swapping tones and, yeah. and chords like that. And it was the most intense. Like one night, I recall it took me an hour to get myself together after us performing made this be love because it was such magnitude and this happened every night man you know when that kind of drive and that kind of intensity of emotion is shared amongst two people that admire each other it's a beautiful thing to see it reverberate into a crowd of 35 or 45 or 65 or 10,000 people and right. they feel that energy at at that point in time at yeah. that point in time you have an audience captivated to where they're not worrying about a damn thing that's outside of those doors. Right. They're in that moment. They're in that moment. And what I try to do is give my audience an experience that, man, forget about everything that you've been worrying about for this 90 plus minutes. Engage with me. So therefore, hopefully you will leave my show feeling a little bit better than how you came. And if you had fucked up mentality, before you came in here, I done provided you with some musical nourishment that made your mind think that you can go back into this fucked up world with slightly different eyes. Right. I, Woo! That was powerful yes. right there, but uh, Indeed it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Woo! You know, as, as we look past this, this hopefully look past this COVID nightmare. I was just, you know, I, I was talking with uh, Josh Smith the other day. I think, it was, I think it was yesterday. And we were uh-huh. shooting the breeze and we were talking about, um, you know, what we see ourselves doing in, in like five years. And uh, uh-huh. and we kind of agreed on the same thing. It's like, you know, I 
I just want to be able to travel around and and play my music with the people I want to play it with at a venue that you know can support you know uh, an amount of people that can you know support my livelihood and make sure that all the guys in my band can can eat and right. um, and 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 I'd be cool with that you know I don't really have any. Um, not that there's anything wrong with, you know, wanting to, if somebody else wants to, you know, win a Grammy or, you know, <laughs> pack a stadium when they can be packed again, uh, and all that other kind of stuff. But, you know, what, what's your kind of attitude at this point? What, what, what do you want to do? Where, where do you see yourself? What, what, what kind of path do you want to take from here? I mean, I, it's probably pretty obvious, but, you know, just, just to kind of hear what you have to say on that. What I see, and 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 this is not to sound braggadocious or anything like that, is what I see, and this is meant in a literal sense. I see me pulling up my chair to the table because it's my time to eat. Feast. It's my time to eat. Yep. It's my time. It's my time to take my crown, and I mean that because I got a song on this new record called "I Want My Crown." Uh, uh, and, and it's it's crazy, man. You know, I'm 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 speaking into exist in existence things that I foresee. You know, uh, this record is going to take the world by storm, and I mean it with every single every single thing in my being. With not only musicians, I'm talking about average Jane and John Doe's. Sure, are going to be. You know, that's where you're getting into something serious when right. you can touch. The minds and the hearts and the souls of your average everyday consumer, John Jane Doe. That's what we're looking at. So now it's you know now there's no cloud over my head. There's no drugs or alcohol in my way that's enabling me not to step into the potential of my brand uh, that is um, is 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 about to skyrocket into a, into uh, parts unknown. And um, I, I can I can I can tell you that it's 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 a it's a shift that's about to happen in the atmosphere, and uh, there's a category five that's named Eric Gales, and hence Gales means a powerful wind force. Indeed, Gale it does, my friend. Well, you and, and I, I can I can tell you it's a shift coming. Well, if anyone deserves it, you do, my friend. I mean, uh, I try, man. I try. You're a fan, not only are you a fantastic guy and a great musician, but a, just an excellent performer. I mean, Thank I've, you. I've experienced the full frontal assault of the uh, <laughs> of the change in atmosphere when you're in a room and you take the stage. It's like, okay, there's something going on here. <laughs> the crust of the earth is opening up, and <laughs> so I believe it. I'm in, <laughs> man, dude, man. And you know what? I want to go on record and say this: as soon as stuff get back together, Greg Koch and Eric Gale is gonna have some dates. Together. Oh, I'd love to do it. Absolutely, I'd love I'm it. That, I'm just trying to talk about rolling. Get your you talking about looking to get your mouth ripped wide open. Come to a uh, come to a Gales and Koch show. That's and, it. Uh, we, we, we we we'll we'll sell your extra teeth after the show. That's right. <laughs> i'm all for it so what do, you, what do you got coming up in the immediate future you got to finish this record up and then That's i would imagine record. is there some kind of timeline for when it's going to come out at this point or you're still kind of figuring that all out kind of fig- originally before covid we were looking at the first quarter of next year but okay. as you know for a record to reach its full potential we need to be there's a tandem that has to be you got to go out and tour and support it and this record is of such magnitude that i don't want it lost in any kind of way at all period 
So right. I can tell you that I think that we're leaning toward the name of this record is called Stand Up. And uh, that says enough. You know, that says enough. And, you know, it's, uh, man, it's like I'm carrying a, ble- a briefcase, a briefcase of platinum with uh, the handcuffs connected to my wrist, but I'm not able to open it until it's time for this record to be released. <laughs> so that's the, that's the torture that I am up under for could be upwards to a year. And right. I'm not one, like I said, I don't want this record lost anywhere. So, right, I got you, you know, if things start to open up by April, May, June of next year, it could be second quarter. But, you know, just to, you know, but we we will have the the opportunity to uh, 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 to uh, capitalize on the pre-marketing that we can do for it for upwards to a year that have the anticipation, you know, even more grandiose. So, right. you know. Uh, it could be uh, in our favorites that have, you know, wait till, you know, mid somewhere mid in the next year Got is it. where I'm looking because I don't want it lost nowhere. I want to be able to fully go out and support this record because that's what it needs. That's what it needs. I can dig it. Well, I can't wait to hear it. You know, it was Man, interesting. It's, your, your last record you worked on with uh, uh, an old buddy of mine named Matt Wallace. Yes, sir. Great dude. Great yeah, dude. Great, great dude. You know, I, I only did we did one uh, started on a record with uh, my buddy Willie Porter. It was my buddy Willie Porter's record, and Matt mm-hmm. uh, produced it. And uh, him and I just hit it off. This is going back twenty some odd years, but uh, wow, it was kind wow. of funny. We kind of reconnected right around the time that you were doing that record. And I thought that was wild. But uh, what I what I am so happy about is that record went to number one on Billboard. Yeah. And that's a huge accomplishment. And it also got me two uh, BMAs. And I got the BMA for this year, and that record came out two years ago. And I'm like, yo, I just knew I wasn't going to get it. And there we go again. So, you know, I can, uh, I am very, very proud of the levels that my career has been going in. And now the next uh, quint- quintessential step is this next record. And it's about to, uh, it's about to be a real situation, man. And uh, oh, I believe we'll it. This, we'll have this conversation after it come out, so I can say I told you. <laughs> and I'll say I believed you. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. I know you got to hit the road, but I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, chewing the gristle with us here. Chewing the gristle, man. I wouldn't chew the gristle with nobody else but you, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. Great to see you. I can't wait to hear the record. Best of luck to you, and I hope to see you soon. Okay, brother. Hey, I want to put this out there too, man. If you so happen to be, you always working on something. So when you working on your next record, cater a tune for me to guest appear on. I oh my god, it. absolutely. You got it. Yeah, yeah man. We and we got we got to battle it out straight up. I like I it. Also tell you, I want to also tell you on this record there is a song that uh, me and Joe are having a serious conversation. So I put on Facebook at one time that we had the uh, largest battle of any record ever, and somebody kind of went sideways with it. So I'd rather go on record saying me and Joe are having one of the most intense conversations ever. Right, and that's what it's all about, the conversational aspect. I totally get it. Everyone wants to make it out to be a... Uh, a competition, but it never is. No, when when no. minds get together and play like that, it is definitely a conversation. I'm totally that's, that's down what's with that. happening, and I need to do that with you. Oh, absolutely! It'd be a blast. It'd be an yes, honor. Sir. Yes, sir. All we'll, right, my friend. We'll, 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 we'll battle it out in the. We'll battle it out in the dominion of the king's lab. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let it be written. So let it be done. 
<laughs> Dude, you mean the world to me, man. Hit me up anytime, man. Hit me you up. Yeah, my anytime. pleasure. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you, man. All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Special thank you to Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and the Mighty Fishman Transducers for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed yourself, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe and review so that people can get the word out that this is worth experiencing. Can you dig it? Thanks again. We'll see you soon, or you'll hear me soon.